All right. Hello and welcome back. This is Colin Keeley here. And I'm Brent Sanders. And we are two guys buying and building wonderful internet companies. Yeah. And you just got back from a trip that we were, we were talking about, I think in the last podcast about you, you've done two conferences last, what, three weeks, four weeks, something like that. You've been on, you've been on the road. You've been on tour. Yeah. Yeah. Really fun. You could hear it in my voice. I got sick shortly after. Yeah. My lifestyle of going to bed super early and waking up super early is not super conducive to conferences. So it takes a toll <laughs> on me. But yeah, I went to Capital Camp. So this is put on by Brent B. Shore and Patrick O'Shaughnessy. It's an awesome conference in Columbia, Missouri, of all places. So it's hmm. like 300 plus super interesting people down there. I would say it's the most prestigious of sorts and definitely the most expensive of like the, the circuit that we've been going to. So like SMB Bash, Holdco, this is one of the originals. This is only the fourth year though. So it hasn't been going on forever, but yeah, awesome. Mostly private equity people, Holdco people, venture capitalists, family offices, some founders kind of thrown in, but super fun. Awesome. Yeah. So any highlights from the, the trip? So it's all just done really, really well. So you think of a normal conference mm. is like sit in a dark room and go stare at speakers. They try to keep that to a minimum. So there's maybe three hours of it one day, three hours another day. But most of it is like really, really good food and drinks and like fun activities. So the way it works is like maybe a month in advance, maybe more, you get this app and then you sign up for different activities and talks. And so a lot of things are overlapping. So you can't do everything. You kind of pick and choose. And I picked and choose and I thought I like had a perfectly optimized schedule. And then all the schedule is very loose and it kind of all blew up. Like, so if you're doing nice. tennis from nine to 10 AM, it's like, well, the bus leaves at nine and tennis maybe ends at 10 or a little after, but then you gotta take the bus yeah. back and you're not making the next two talks that you signed up for. So yeah. that was a bit of a bummer, but good learning. But yeah, the best part is just like, they do a really good job of curating people. So it all started out with just friends of the two guys putting it on and like permanent equity. And then from there, it's basically all referrals and they have capped it at around a little over 300 people, I think. And I don't know how they do it. Maybe it's just a filter of like an expensive ticket, but everyone there is super interesting and super friendly. And even like the drivers, like the shuttle drivers were saying, why is everyone so nice? Like, what is this conference? <laughs> and everyone's in like shorts and t-shirts. So it's not like a traditional stuffy finance conference in any sense. Yeah. Yeah. Business conference. That's cool. So. Obviously you're talking about money, talking about capital, talking about SMBs, business acquisition. Were there any sort of standout topics that you thought were unique to the, the event, like something you just couldn't hear somewhere else? Yeah. The power of content was a really big one. So the whole conference started from a Twitter interaction, like a lot of big kind of Twitter personalities were there. So it's not purely a finance conference. It's like a interesting people conference to some extent. I saw David Perel and spoke with him a little bit. So he gave like nice. a small group talk and a couple other ones he's kind of leading. He is extraordinarily good at presenting. So one of his big pitches is like, throw a lot of stuff, have a lot of discussions, throw it out into like the world and collect feedback and see kind of what resonates. And this is what comedians do and why Dave Chappelle like goes to tiny venues because he's testing all his new ideas. And he's like, mm. you just keep that best like 10%. And you keep compiling that best 10% together into like an amazing product. And he was explaining this, but he's also doing it. Like 
almost every line he said was like, wow, that is really good. That's really punchy. It's clearly because he's written a lot of this and he's tested it all on Twitter and he knows what really resonates. So he has so many good examples, so many good metaphors. Yeah, it was just like a whole nother level of presentation that I hadn't really seen before. Founders podcast. So David Senra was super interesting. He was there. So he, much like my like business breakdowns, he does that, but in podcasting form. So he's the founders podcast, highly worth checking it out. Definitely recommend it. He's also like kind of a maniac. So he's really fun to hear. I, one of my other kind of goals in attending besides like deals and capital and meeting people was to like talk with a permanent equity team. So we covered Brent on a recent podcast. They're doing mm -hmm. it really well. And I wanted to understand like how they do it more. So a lot of the team was there. We had a dinner at like their office, which is actually a home. So just in back is like the backyard. And there's this, they actually pulled up this enormous smoker, like the biggest smoker I've ever seen, like the size of a small school bus in back. And that's how they made dinner for like 50 people. But through that, I was able to talk with a lot of their team and they're not finance people, really. They're all like, I majored in English. I majored in journalism. They're all like literary. And so there's a huge content focus. So that was super cool to talk to people and like kind of see how they operate and what we should steal and bring the software and you know what maybe doesn't fit quite as well. You know, the other kind of big takeaway is like a lot of these people there, they had a million Twitter followers. They run like multi-billion dollar funds. It's super cool to see people doing what we're doing at a much higher level. Like one guy had 30 plus people sourcing for him. And wow. it's like, we we're doing this all ourselves. And these people just have like monstrous operations. And everyone's very casual. So like one guy's like, oh yeah, I raised 400 and did this. And it's like, wow, that's impressive. Uh, that's like a crazy bootstrapping story. And he's like, oh no, 400 million. And it's like, <laughs> I expect K to be at the end of things. Like, oh, it's $400, 400,000. I know it's 400 million. So it's just like, yeah, kind of be more ambitious was a bit of the takeaway. And like the people doing this stuff really aren't that different than you. And they're just people just hanging out like everyone else. Hmm. Um, very cool. Yeah. So this is super worth it. That was by far the best conference. I may cut this part from the podcast, but one thing I want to talk to you about is like, they have a funny price discrimination now. So they've maxed out the hotels downtown. There's only a hundred spots that they can take and they want to invite 300 ish people. So there's only a hundred seats downtown and they are now trying to change, charge different prices. So if you want a downtown ticket and you're buying a year in advance, it's ten and a half thousand dollars. And if you mm. don't, it's eight and a half thousand dollars. And then hmm. if you wait to closer to ticket time or like conference time, like we did, that's 10.5 for a normal ticket and 12.5 for a downtown ticket next year. Interesting. What's so the, I mean, you're, you're staying in like a country hotel versus in Columbia. Yeah. So I took a bunch of like effectively nine minute Ubers and there's a <laughs> shuttle, but you have to wait for the shuttle all the time. Yeah. But so the, if you buy a ticket now, it's 25% less. So it's kind of an amazing business. It's yeah. A huge incentive to like collect all this cash basically a year in advance. Yeah. Yeah. Know, know what you're working with. I mean, that's the, the difficult thing with, with events is like people cancel, people change plans, even speakers cancels, like life happens. So that's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. I don't have a lot of other takeaways. The people kind of came from all over. Holdcos are a big thing. Crypto is not. I think there's one crypto person there. I think a lot of other people were like secret crypto people, but they're pretending <laughs> they're like AI people now or something. So they just don't talk yeah. about their crypto believers. AI is a big topic of discussion. Everyone's like, how do we take advantage of it? What does it mean for different industries? But yeah, super fun, super interesting people kind of across the board. Very cool.
Very cool. I'm glad you I'm glad you went. It sounds like you made some good contacts. I mean, one of the things that we're trying to do is just meet new investors, meet and it's not just an average investor. It's like a particular backer that we want to be selective about and and get people that you know you spend some time with, right? It's not just like how much you know about people if you have a Zoom call, call with them, show them a deal, you do a follow-up call and then you know, ideally they wire, but it's like ideally you spend some time, break bread, you do some activity. It's a great way to sort of like mix with people on like a, a normal sort of playground way versus the the typical, let me book some time on your calendar and we'll get to know one another. Yeah, that's what they nail and like everyone else screws up. It It's actually like almost less work for them. You don't need these big fancy speakers quite as much. You just need to like set up interesting people doing fun things. So like just go set up tennis or pickleball for people. And, or like a lot of the stuff is woodworking or metal forgery. And it's, you're really just sitting next to interesting people. Like you're kind of occupied, but really you're free and just chit chatting. So that was by far the best part of the conference. Cool. That sounds great. Do you want to talk about the scout stuff? It's a little raw, but yeah, that's good. I think people like hearing that we're not like the masters of this and things are bumpy. So not ideal. I was gone all last week and like booked from 6.30 CrossFit in the morning to like 10 p.m. after drinks. So it wasn't super helpful, but you want to talk through kind of what happened last week on Scout? Yeah. So we decided to release the app that we've had in beta. So when we purchased the business, the seller kind of told us, hey, we've got an app in beta that's going to replace the current app because the current app is from 2016. It's an old Cordova which is like this cross-platform JavaScript-based piece. But um, it's it was ancient, and so we were dealing with daily occurrences of, hey, if they're having an issue, go download the beta. And we had a ton of users on the beta that we largely got the good feedback from. The UI was very different. It was definitely not as polished as the, the production version. And so we took that after... Week after week, you've mentioned, you're like, you know what? Every week, it sounds like we're just going to release the app next week and you find something new and improve it. So with that encouragement, we decided, hey, let's just, let's pull the bandaid off and just get this thing live. So we so only have one. We're on the beta before we pulled the trigger. Let's see. I thought it was like 25%. Uh, yeah, that sounds right. Okay. Somewhere around there, like a minority, but not like a massive minority, not like just not like 5%. So yeah, about 25, 30, it kind of depends on the time. But yeah, we had a lot of people in the beta. They were actively using it. No crashes, no issues, no no reports. And it, it had a, a couple of really cool features that were vastly different, like offline access. But so we released the app on Monday and it, it took a while to roll out. We didn't hear anything for a couple of days. But unfortunately, at the same time that that's rolling out on Wednesday, we had an outage. So we had two things. One is our database which we've been working to replace, but we have to test the entire application on another tier, which is difficult because we have such a difference in data, right? It's, so we have to build up some big customers in staging and do that while we're not handling support requests or other work. So it's kind of secondary work. Database runs out of, of space or, or essentially connections, not space, but connections that are available. And it starts taking these, these servers down. And so I hop on that and we get it to a spot, but then we get it back online and then everyone's hitting refresh. Everyone's trying to access the platform at the same time. So it's just going straight back up to a, out of connections, out of connections. So we, naturally we need, we need to increase the amount of connections, but we can't do that without rolling over to a new database, which we're not going to do it during an outage, right? It's, it's something that we 
we want to be really careful about because it is the database. It's the most important part of the app. So there was an extended outage and kind of as traffic came down, things started to get back on track. We have a great support partner in this company called Do IT. So if anyone's out there, a lot of this falls on just me. So we have a team, we have some developers, but they're not they're not the ones that are responding to this stuff. So naturally I'm pretty pretty stressed out. That even you know, don't sleep very well. Next day happens again, same time. And it's like peak peak timing and we start to look around at what's going on and start seeing that I won't get too technical, but essentially the thing that's running our servers that's deciding how many service run was misconfigured. And it, it's kind of always been this way, I guess, but our friends at do it took a look at it again and, and I walked them through what I was seeing and they were helping me tune it and we got things tuned great. And now things are fine on the server end, but people are shaking two days in a row, having an outage where they're, they're running their business at, during their peak hours and it creates a, a bunch of issues. So I was, I was fried. And then we start having customers that were really surprised by the new app version. So it's, it's, it's been a kind of a tough thing where it's like a lot of the, the feedback has been around poor notification or poor like messaging, which I own. I, I, I guess I'm, I'm a little overwhelmed when it comes to getting all the code in a good place, tested and then released, but then to also go update all of our docs, all of our support articles, all of our videos, training materials. Like we didn't do that. We, we launched the app because we had found it's a better experience, better removed a lot of issues. And we're trying to optimize for new users coming on, existing users, big customers trying to optimize to keep everybody moving and, and lower the error rate, but it, the error rates have gone up. So it's it's now that it's really so when we're week two of this and we're still having customers that are having issues and unrelated to the outage, but that was the the real kick in the balls was as people were getting the new version of the app, the outage happened. So they associated all these negative things, the server being down with the app, the new app version, which is like the worst possible timing of any release I think I've had in my career. And I've had some bad releases, right? I've, you know, especially with mobile. So this is one of those things where mobile apps can be incredibly difficult because you're, you're hamstrung by what's going through the store and the approval process, the access and proximity to data. You can't really control a lot once things are out to an extent, you know, so we, we have it's it's been a slog it's been a, a tough weekend when our we had a like a user group facebook group that i didn't i think you mentioned before but i, I was not aware of it and somebody kind of going rip shit in there who i reached out to yeah. and spoke with yesterday when they these customers they want to really be supportive and they are supportive but they, i think there's a lot of just like opportunities that they want to vent in these channels which it it kind of blew my weekend up the, the entire weekend i i I don't think I've really slept normally in since last week, since before this, things were going really smoothly. We're getting our bunch of features out. But since then, like every time an intercom issue comes in, I get stressed out. We have support, but they're just escalating stuff to me. And I, I'm honestly, I'm just feeling fried. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a lot. So backing up, why release a new version? Why not just continue improving old version? I think that was the, I was fine doing that. I, I think we were doing it and doing it. And we had a conversation around, it just seems like we're working on this, but we're not releasing it. And so I was like, okay, then let's, let's give it a shot. Let's release it. So 
It was. It, it makes no real difference to me if people preferred the old one. It's just from a like a general sense, a grand scheme of things, though. The old version we can't really support, right? It's it's so old that all the dependencies don't build, and we're, we're locked out. Like so, if something does happen with it, we can't replace it. So we've kind of forced that that to happen by releasing it. But yeah, it, yeah. it was it, it was kind of like the the other main reasons is offline access, mapping, a lot of things that like new customers would come on and they'd be like, "This app sucks." And it's like, fuck, we had it, we have that working so much better in the beta. So that was the real reason to go forward with that. I mean, all those seem like great reasons to move everyone to just new app. So obviously it's been bumpy, but why continue supporting the old app instead of just fixing the new version? So great question. Yeah. So now we are running into issues. So today I, we were talking about this before the podcast. So, and it Colin's like, we should talk about this and we should, this is a good topic. So what we're getting are angry customers that are having new issues that they weren't having on the old app, which counteracts our assumptions and our findings of the beta. And so it begs this question that how is it that we had things working before, but now they aren't right. So the code hasn't changed and we've made, we're continually to make improvements, continuing to make improvements, but you know, it's what, what happens is there are issues that we can't reproduce. And so if we can't reproduce them, we can't fix them. And so that's always been the case before is like, we can at least reproduce them on the beta. And now there are connectivity issues or, and, and again, they may be related to the server. They may be related to the database. There are all these things are, are intrinsically linked, but that's the, 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 the thought of, Hey, let's put this thing back into production. What we had prior that had issues, known issues, but maybe a lesser known, lesser set of issues, and then just release a different app or a go back to the beta and have people opt in. If they like it, they can just use the beta and we've, we've made everybody happy. That's sort of the, the inclination to do that. But, you know, like I said, we can't really build the legacy app. Yeah. Is the best approach here not to just burn the bridge. It seems like re reproducibility is something that will be figured out eventually. Yeah. Like I have confidence. You, you mentioned this when you came back from out of town on Friday is like, let's just move forward, keep the eye on the ball, which is good, good feedback. Like, and then that's kind of like, I'm at the point now where I think future versions will, this will write the ship, but you know, to, at what cost, right? It's like, will we lose customers? Will people kind of run away from this product? Maybe I need to set my mindset there so I'm not so stressed out. But what I think we're running into are people that had no issue and now all of a sudden they, they do have issues. And then meanwhile, we have the same cohort of beta testers that have no issues, right? So it's like, it's hard to quantify exactly because the noisiest people are having, we're, we're hearing from the noisiest people. Yeah. And so I guess for perspective, we have hundreds of customers. They all have dozens or more dog walkers. So it's a lot of people. And to me, it was only a few that were like really pissed. And I think, I don't know, like I remember when Facebook launched the new newsfeed like a decade ago and everyone's like, I hate mm -hmm. it. I hate it. It's horrible. And then it turns out actually probably better in a lot of ways. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think that's just like the life cycle of software products. I, I think the, the difference here is like, I wish we had a way to slow roll these releases and it, we we probably do, but again, with the app store, it can be kind of challenging where you, you can slowly let these 
out, but because we're in a position of such legacy software that, you know, I'd like to restore that. I'd like to restore that ability to, hey, let people opt into the new one. If they have problems with the old one, they know it works. They know it, it works enough for them. Or for some people, it just works and others it doesn't. So it's, it's kind of a, a strange spot. We're trading the same problem though, right? It feels like we're trading one set of problems for another and we still have problems, right? So I'd rather have problems on a newer code base, right? It's, we have the ability to manage that, but, but yeah, that's the, the latest story in Scout. I mean, the reality is, is customers are definitely have their confidence shaken, but because of what the product does and how sticky it is, it's some may leave, some maybe you've already been looking to leave, but I don't think this is necessarily going to have a, a really strong impact on MR immediately. I mean, if I think if it continues, it will though. And so that's, that's kind of my main concern at this point. Yeah. So we haven't seen a negative impact from it. I think the stickiness, which we knew, it just makes it hard to move off. Not that people wouldn't, if it was horrible for long enough, it just, from the outside, it seemed like it was always going to be bumpy. Like it would have been shocking if there were no issues. I just wonder if we're overly focused on a few loud customers. And then it's actually better overall, but people don't say right in to say, Hey, Hey, like the new update or anything. If it doesn't really matter. <laughs> some people have, no, I mean, <laughs> some people for sure have, I've, I've seen probably dozen to a half dozen of like, Oh wow, this is so cool. Like it works better and problems fixed. GPS is better. And then you get a, another dozen of the GPS is worse or these, these strange inconsistencies. So yeah, I, I, I don't think I'm focusing on it, but I, I do want to fix it. And so we can keep releasing the, the fear that I have is we release a new version that thinks it's in which we think in our testing, which is limited and some beta testing looks better, but then it ends up being even worse. Right. And so then you have something in production. So I guess what I want is that like safe production backup. And so that's what I'm trying. I, I think it's worthwhile to spend time to see if we can get that back up, recalibrate and try this again and just call it, Hey, it's a failed launch. Now that you don't see that very often, but, and it's not the direction I really want to go, but I, I also want to appreciate that this is like how people are, are doing their job. This is how they're getting paid. So if we're adding all this, our customers are time poor, they are not technical for them to kind of, it's kind of pulling the rug out on them. And we knew we were going to have to do some hard work and have some bumps and break some eggs, but this is beyond what I think is acceptable, right? It's beyond what I think is like acceptable to expect out of a product you're paying for. And so I, I guess going forward, if you reinstate the old version, do you just have people that will forever be tied to the old version? And then you just have two versions or you go, no, I think now, there? no, you, you just, I think you start again. I really do. I think that this is what you have to do is you just have to start again and go back to the, the final version and then be like, Hey, you, you need to have dates set out where it's like, Hey, we're going to slowly release this, or you support the old one forever. And then you relaunch an entirely new app and let people choose between them, which is like the worst product idea ever. But I think in this case with the customer base, like the, I think had I done this over, I'd this, knowing this was in beta for eight months, I would say this is the type of customer base that that's okay. And it's going to be a year, right? And you're going to roll it out over a year. And it's like, I've seen this with like ancestry, right? Ancestry.com. They never change anything. And I, I worked with somebody who sold their business there and they, they were like, we can't launch anything. 
like we've launched stuff, but they, they release it so slowly because they're, it's all senior citizens using it that they, they don't want to, to ruffle any feathers. It, it creates too much churn. So the concern is I care. I mean, I care about existing customers, but I care a lot about the new customer experience, right? And that like conversion funnel. And so new customers would get back the old app and they would have to opt in to the beta, which really is the one that performs much better. It's just a clunky experience. Is that not how it would be going back to? Yeah, that would be, yeah, that would be the potential path forward. So customers, they, they one day the, the UI changes, right? They get this update that, or we would, we could possibly release it to a separate, entirely separate location, call it Scout Legacy or something like that, which at this point, it's like, it doesn't matter. We could, we could do it either way, but we could leave the, the Scout app as it is and have our current live and beta, and then just release a legacy version just to like keep the, the old folks happy and let that run as long as it can. And as long as it will until you know, it's no longer supported by the respective stores. That's maybe a nice in-between ground where it's like new customers are still getting the new app experience and loud old people can stick with the legacy experience. Yeah. Oh, and one more thing I want to talk to is, so there's a scout user group, which I didn't know existed until like a couple months ago. And then I got access to it and no one had said anything, I think, think since like November. So we weren't really monitoring yeah. it. And then this update went off and then this group went nuts. Like every, really just a few people that were really vocal about it felt like being super negative and stirring up other people. Should we shut down this Facebook group or monitor yes. it or <laughs> remove the problematic members? Like any thoughts? I would, I would delete it. It's not the problem that I have. It's not, I do want to talk to customers. I want them. It's funny. I've had conversations with probably the majority of the people in that room, or I actually don't know, but I've, I have conversations with customers and I get their feedback and I organize it and I list it and I backlog it and I, we prioritize it. Like we, we do shit with it. We don't, the problem with these groups is it's just a piss poor way to get information and it. It, it starts rumors and disseminates incorrect information. And it's just straight up wrong, right? It's like, it's, it's bad information that gets shared with folks that take it as fact or take it as truth when it's not, it's the fact of the matter is, is like user groups are great, but they need to be moderated. So yes, for now, I think we need to keep it because it's been around, but I think we need to announce, Hey, this is going away and it's being replaced by a Trello board. And, and if you want to book a time with the team to have a conversation around gripes you're having, here's a link and we'll talk, to, I'll talk to every single member of that group. But what I don't want is like people bitching and moaning to each other about things that may not even be true, right? Like that's the thing that really concerns me is that there's negativity spurred on with speculation and, and it just goes to a place that's completely unproductive. Like we, so we just can't have that. Should we keep it and monitor it, right? We could just put someone in there that's replying to everything. So any misinformation that pops up, we could kill immediately. Or is it better to just not let customers speak to each other because it just goes negative too quickly and doesn't benefit the company? Yeah, I, I think that's the thing. Scan it, or I'm sorry, monitor it, not scan it, monitor it for a period of time. But, you know, from that point, be like, hey, this is, this is getting deprecated. Put a post in there that's like, we're not going to, we're not going to keep this open. You guys can, the, the fear is that people kind of go and start their own room or whatever, but, right. and they can do that, but it's like, 
to have a sanction room that we're not using or a sanction group, like I want to have these conversations and want them to be productive. And I, it's not productive and it benefits really nobody if they're not getting real information and it's speculation or whatever, and we're not, we're not controlling it. So in my mind, it's, it's like all fun when things are going great, but if there's like an outage and a mobile app goes live at the same time and somebody feels like it ruined their day and they want to kind of make everyone else feel their pain, it's, it's a great way. It makes them feel good, but it's really not what the intention of that group was. Yeah. I think that's a good plan. I don't really want to monitor it. It doesn't seem super productive so far. Well, cool. Anything else you wanted to cover? No, not on the podcast. I think that's good. All right. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.